Well, it's good to be able to be here this morning to share with you. And uh, yeah, that song, Never Once, that uh, really characterized and uh, spoke to our hearts many times these last 12 years since we've been back from our assignments uh, in Poland and in Germany. Um, always knew that God was right there with us. It's good to have friends with us today. Uh, three of my seven grandchildren are here. I don't know where they are. I can't. Oh, they're over there. Okay. Oh, more than that. My son's here. My son-in-law's here. I mean, and Sheila Druck's here. And where's Bob? Bob and Joanne. That's right. Bob and Joanne. Um, Jessberg. I think some of you remember that name. All right. Well, a lot of people ask me already and ask Susan, is God going to fix it? And that's what I'm here to tell you. So, how have you felt about the last few years? Yeah. How about the last six months? God began to stir my heart for this message about six months ago. With the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Susan and I lived next door to Ukraine for seven years in Warsaw, Poland, in the east of Poland. We were close to the border several times and uh, had people in our international church in Warsaw from Ukraine. Uh, I could tell you stories. What was the reaction and the response from the USA and other nations? Outcry, action, and fear, sadness, and determination to help a beautiful people overrun by a heathen, an atheist, a greedy dictator. Agreed? Tragedy after tragedy these last few months, Ukraine, Buffalo, Uvalde, gun violence, anger, Road rage, gas prices, climate change, food prices, cancer, COVID, monkeypox, mall shootings, church shootings, school shootings, human trafficking, terrorism, hijackings, cyber attacks, addictions, abortions, the worst fires in the West and in Europe, floods in Kentucky, Death Valley and Yellowstone, natural disasters, and a week and a half, two weeks ago, the heat. The wagon accident in recent weeks that took young lives. 1,100 rockets aimed and sent at Israel. It is disturbing for sure. Where is God? Why doesn't he do something? Many say he is to blame. You don't think that way. Well, maybe if, if you were Mel, going through the pain he's been going through with shingles, or Wade, with all that Wade's been going through with 
all his various needs and challenges and difficulties, or even Liz Cherry with the challenges that she's faced, the suffering that she's faced. Well, has your faith ever been rocked? I mean rocked, you know, staggering. You were bewildered, maybe totally shell-shocked, beyond belief. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose someone you love. And the cry is, God, fix it. God, you are kind and gracious and full of mercy. You can do something. Others do blame you. Where are you? Please show your love and compassion. Life is not fair. You've heard that. This is terrible. This is an ugly world. Please, God, show up. Fix this mess. It's easy to have a small view of God these days. And I want to explain that just for a moment. I had a German friend that I would motorcycle with a little bit. And uh, that was handy because he spoke several languages and all I spoke was English. And when you're in Europe, you still get hungry. You need to look at the menu once in a while and when you can't figure it out, you need somebody who can read it and tell you what's on the menu. Well, Wolfgang was that guy, but you know what? He had a very small view of God. He didn't really trust the Word of God. He didn't really see God as all-powerful and all-knowing. He saw God as out there somewhere, not involved. And Wolfgang was in our church, our international English-speaking church. He had a very small view of God. On the other hand, oh my goodness, Rick and Cookie are here. Ha, huh. I just saw you. Praise God. On the other hand, a big view of God says things are possible. The word of God is true. It can be depended on. We can live by it. We can serve by it. We can trust when the difficulties come and we're, we're, we're kind of unsure. That's a big view. We know who God is. And that's really important. Uh-oh. What's going on? Oh, there we go. Jeremiah 6, 16. Uh, this is jumping in the middle of the chapter, but this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Stand, look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But there's more to the verse as Jeremiah had written this from what God said. And the people basically said, we will not walk in 
it. Now, we're going to come back to that a little later in the message. But first, I have to give you some bad news. First, the good news. God is working. His plan for forgiveness, which we sang about, for judgment, and for life. God is working his plan. God blank fix it. This is where the bad news is. So if you're writing things down, this is really easy. I'm not going to fill in the blank for you, but it's a simple word. God won't fix it. He's not going to fix it. His plan is established. Not according to Scripture. Not because he is unfair or unjust. But his plan is in motion. His timetable is set. We talk about the decrees of God. The purposes and promises he established long ago. He does not change things. His eternal purpose must be satisfied by his divine will. God is not surprised. What he has set in motion is for his glory. We are for his glory as we live. I want to turn to some scripture. You can see it there on your insert. Um, these are verses that Support the message, but we're not going to look at all of them. But I would like to read Isaiah 14, 24. Uh, this is the prophet Isaiah, and this is dealing with God's plan and God's purpose. The Lord Almighty has sworn, quote, Surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will happen. This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over all nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? Ephesians chapter 1, the end of verse 8 and onward. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To put into effect when, the things, when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Second Timothy from Paul, also chapter 1. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then from Titus, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth 
that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Yes, God has a plan. He has a purpose. And our world is broken because of sin. And that's why Jesus came. So that we might find life in him and forgiveness. Well, God won't fix it. Okay. Oops. There it is. Thank you. We're working together here. God will... Oh, by the way, Charles... Charles is filling these in. He wanted me to give him the answers ahead of time. So he would get an A. And maybe a candy bar. Okay, Charles. Just, just hang on there. God will judge it. Yeah. God is going to judge the world. And we're going to see that as we look at this passage that uh, I mentioned earlier. Um, Jeremiah chapter 6. If you'd turn there in your Bibles, I'll go over the setting a little bit. The setting for this chapter is Jeremiah speaking for God as Jerusalem is about to face extreme judgment. The Babylonians have defeated the Assyrians. And now the Babylonians turn on Israel, the Jews. The Jews occupied a very strategic piece of land. The people of Judah and Jerusalem, the southern kingdom, are facing judgment. And we're going to read these first 16 verses. So follow along as I read. Flee for safety, people of Benjamin. Flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Beth Hakerem, for disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. I will destroy daughter Zion, that's Jerusalem, so beautiful and delicate. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They will pitch their tents around her, each tending his own portion. Prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading and the shadows of evening grow long. So arise, let us attack at night and destroy her fortresses. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Quote, cut down the trees and build siege ramps against Jerusalem. This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. As a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. Take warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so that no one can live in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Let them glean the remnant of Israel as thoroughly as a vine. Pass your hand over the branches again like one gathering grapes. 
To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their eyes are closed, so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the young men gathered together. Both husband and wife will be caught in it. The old, those weighed down with years, their houses will be turned over to others together with their fields. And their wives will I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Now I need to just read a few more verses from the same chapter. Verse 17. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, you who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. Hear you earth, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. Do you get the picture? Jerusalem's a nasty place. The people have not followed God. They have rejected God. They have oppressed other people in the city or other people that they have conquered. It's a very bad situation. And God has tried to bring them back, to restore them. He's concerned. There's a crossroads. And he warns them over and over again. He gives this warning. And they do not heed the warning. In fact, they're so bold. They're not ashamed. They don't blush. When he speaks to them through the prophet, what a sad situation. You know, in this, uh, in this first 16 verses, um, it's amazing that I just picked out this word, and it appears nine times in this passage. 16 verses, it appears nine times. And you've probably figured out what it is. It's the word it. Yes. Verse 6. 
This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. Jerusalem, it's filled with oppression. Verse 8, take warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate. Verse 10, incredible. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear it. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. Can you imagine not finding any pleasure in the word of God? That's how bad it is. As the priest and the prophets and those who would share the word of God with them. Further on, verse 11. Pour it, pour it, the wrath out on the children in the street, the young men, husband and wife, those who are weighed down with years. The wrath of the Lord. Verse 14, the priest and the prophets, they dressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. When they cry out, they don't really mean it. They're not sincere. They don't want to really heal the people. What are they interested in? The, end of, the middle of verse 13. They are all greedy for gain. They practice deceit. And then the final part of it in verse 16. Walk in it. Walk in the ancient ways. Walk in the good way. And of course, we know their answer. What is the good way? Well, Deuteronomy 6.4 was the, the main thing for Israel. The Sharma, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I've given you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God is saying, remember. Remember who I am. Remember the word that you have. Love the Lord with all your heart. And then there's this from a professor, a theologian. The ancient paths and the good way are the same. They are the way of repentance, of reconciliation, of fear, and love of God. They are the ways of the Mosaic tradition. The value of the Old Testament by an Old Testament scholar, Charles Feinberg. So God will judge it. We move on. Okay, this should be easy. God did fix it. How do we measure faith? How do we measure sin? Well, sin's a little bit easier 
to measure. We can see sin from time to time. In fact, we commit sin so we can see our own sin. Faith is a little harder to measure. But our faith needs to be growing. So God has us in a refining process. You and I are refined from time to time when when God gets our attention. He uses a song. He uses a word from, from gospel or from the Old Testament. He may use a friend to get our attention. God has us in the refining process. But sometimes we are in the disciplinary process when God needs to do more with us to get our attention. So where are you on your faith journey? I say this with care, but, um, and I think you'll understand as I develop this, but God is not going to fix you. You're still going to be you. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit can change you. Hopefully he has, right? Yes. You know him. He has forgiven you by his Holy Spirit living in you. But you are still you. So there needs to be that exercise. Yes. God, through his Son, has fixed us. We are his children. We are bought with a price. We have choices to grow or not grow, to be stale, to be healthy spiritually or to be sick spiritually, to be weak in our faith or strong when the battles come. Some of you work out, you go to the gym, you uh, have equipment at home that you work with, or you're a runner, uh, you're a biker, developing our physical bodies. How are we developing our spiritual muscle? Which we will need when trials come. Jesus said the trials will come. We live in a troubled world, and troubles will come. Moving on. Maybe maybe you'll be able to get this one too. Give you a moment to think about it. God did fix it. God will fix it again. That's right. The strong word of God in Revelation regarding God's wrath and God's plan. We're not going to turn to Revelation. You can if if you want to, but I'm not really going to go into any depth there. Basically, 15, 16, 17, and 18, and 19 are all an, an overview of the coming kingdom and how God is going to establish his kingdom on earth, how there's going to be a new Jerusalem and a new earth. But there is some interesting things here that really uh, tie together a couple of chapters. 
in verse 15, uh, sorry, in Revelation 15, 1, we find the word wrath mentioned. And at the end, almost the end of chapter 16, we find the word wrath mentioned again. And in 15.1, besides the word wrath, we are told that God's wrath is completed. And then again in verse 16, 17, I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 17, the words, it is done. God's wrath completed and done. In Jeremiah, God gave Israel warning. They rejected it. They rejected him. And judgment fell. The word wrath is mentioned over 600 times in the Bible. The Father's wrath completely Satisfied, or Scott. <laughs> that's, that's one of the sentences in the song we sang, Thank you, Jesus. God's wrath completely satisfied because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Dealing with sin so that we could be made right with God. And yet we know that the world is rejecting him. Our nation is rejecting him. Time after time, we see this. In chapter 17, John gives us this picture that he's received, and he mentions the seven hills. And when John wrote that, he knew there were seven hills somewhere. Where are the seven hills? Rome. What is Rome? Rome's a city. Jerusalem was a city. God really has a plan for cities. Cities are at the heart of our problem today in the world. All the major cities of the world are cesspools, and God is going to deal with them. We didn't get to all the scripture, as I mentioned earlier. Um, God's plan is moving forward. There are warnings. How are we preparing and getting ourselves and our families ready? We see one shocking thing after another. Maybe we're growing immune to it. Are we losing our sensitivity to sin, to right and wrong, to the downward march of our culture into every kind of evil? Judgment is mentioned over 300 times in Scripture. This is a good time to take some spiritual inventory. School's about to start. Boo. 
Are we learners? All of us, adults, young people, are we learners? Are we ready to grow? I was a teacher for many years, and it's always been a, a great blessing to see how former students have grown. They've grown spiritually. They've grown mentally. They've grown emotionally. They've grown socially. It's just wonderful to see that. Are we caregivers or are we receivers? Paul tells us that Jesus spoke to him at some point in his journey in Acts 20, 35, and it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we come to this last slide, and those of you who read and study yeah, the Word of God, um, oh, I think we want it. There it is. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we didn't look at these verses, but we're just going to look at them a little bit right now. It's another thing that really, really shook me up when I read it. I can't believe. I mean, I've read this many times, but this just really struck me. It, you can highlight somehow on your insert, John 19. Just these three verses. Jesus is before Pilate. And the trial is taking place. And Pilate says at the end of verse 14, here is your king. Pilate said this to the Jews, in fact, to the Jewish leaders. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate answered, we have no king but Caesar, the chief priests said that. Who is Caesar? Where is Caesar? The head of Rome. The chief priests are saying, the government is our king. We turn to our government. This is crazy. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Yeah. Where do we get the idea that our government is going to solve all our problems? It's going to make things better. We have one king. It's Jesus, not our government. We need to pray for our government. We need to vote, but we cannot depend on our government. Something else to consider. Large cities are facing difficulty. I mentioned this earlier, but a little more detail. The guns are everywhere. Murders, it seems, happen in great numbers all the time. Robbery, 
looting, demonstrations, protests, marches. All the large cities. Do you ever see a march out on the goat path? No. Nobody goes out to the goat path to do a march. You go where the people are. Well, God is he's going to judge cities. He's going to restore Jerusalem. We will have the new earth. Many things will take place in heaven. That's for sure. But there will be a few things that will not, we will not experience in heaven. I've got at least four, I think. There'll be no tears, we're told. We're told there'll be no marriage. I think we'll have no regrets when we get to heaven. And you know what? There's no evangelism in heaven. That's why we need to do it here. We need to reach out through our lives, through our word, to those around us. Yes. We can move it on if this isn't working. God is working his plan for forgiveness, judgment, and life. Hopefully you're involved. Hopefully you're ready. And I want you to know that God is not angry. Okay? He's not angry in the ESV version. Love is mentioned 551 times, and there are various other ways Compassion is used. God's tenderness. Yes. God is working his plan for forgiveness, judgment, and life. And uh, one more, maybe kind of a shocking thing to tell you. I'm personally not praying for revival. Revival may only occur one time in Scripture. The word revive appears about 11 times. And it's usually in reference to, oh, he's fainted. Let's revive him. That's usually how it's used. Let's raise him up again. Let's revive him. So, yeah, I'm not praying for revival. I am praying for judgment. And every time any of you, and I'm sure you do, you say, oh Lord, please come back. If you say that, that's judgment. Yeah. So I'm praying for judgment. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. For your word, it is so powerful. Thank you for the truth that you have given to us. You have given us all that we need to know. Because you want us to live by faith. You want us to trust you. You are the almighty God of creation of our 
lives when you put Adam and Eve together. Thank you, Lord, that you have your plan, your eternal purpose. Oh, Lord, may you see fit to use us to touch the lives of others, that they might come to know you, to love you, to grow in you, and to have a big view of who you are. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, our Savior. So tender, so giving, so willing to suffer for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for our time together today. Thank you for what you continue to do in our hearts and lives. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.